You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously. It doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. A song called Ayoy tu me mal à mon corps d'animal. My French teacher, Paul Kite, used to bring in Offenbach records for us to listen to. That's so cool. So we've looked back at the draft. Now let's look forward to free agency. Welcome once again to 32 Thoughts, the podcast. Jeff Merrick alongside Elliot Friedman and Amil Delich. We're going to do a little bit of, um, I don't know, how shall we uh, phrase it? Uh, rapid fire with some of the free agents. We're looking forward to talking about a Wednesday free. But in the meantime, let's open up by talking about goaltenders and specifically Matt Murray and specifically the Ottawa Senators and the Toronto Maple Leafs. What's the latest? So I got a note on Sunday that uh, someone said to me, get working on this one. And look, like we know what happened with Matt Murray last week. He he vetoed a trade to Buffalo and then Ottawa continued its efforts. You know, it was believed that he was interested in Toronto. It was believed he was interested in Edmonton. I don't think there's going to be a vacancy in Edmonton. We'll get to that in a minute. Mm -hmm. But I think he was very interested in Toronto. There's a lot of history, a lot of history with Matt Murray in Toronto. Kyle Dubas, Sheldon Keefe, but also John Elkin, who runs the goalie department for the Maple Leafs. He has a long history with Murray. They've skated together in the summers. If there's anybody who knows Murray as well as anyone does, Elkin would be very, very high on that list. So I think they've been working on this uh, for a few days, and I heard it really heated up on Sunday. And what I think is going on there is I don't think Murray is eligible to be bought out. I don't think he was cleared to return yet. Now, if you heard Pierre Dorian during draft week, he said he was progressing really well and was expected to be on the ice soon, but I still don't think that means he was cleared and therefore he wasn't eligible to be bought out. And I think once the Maple Leafs and the Senators got close on this trade, uh, the Maple Leafs wanted to take a look at him and I believe the Senators have allowed that to happen. So I think that's what we're waiting for here just to make sure there's no medical issue. So the cap hit on Matt Murray is 6.25. The actual money this season is $7 million, Elliot, and then $8 million next season. Mm -hmm. Not that I think that the decimal point for the actual salary is much of a concern to the Toronto Maple Leafs, but the cap hit certainly is. Does the money here, you think, get massaged? Like, how does this one work? Because this is two years. Uh, it's a big chunk of change. 
Does Ottawa eat money? Does Ottawa attach something to this to sweeten the deal? Do you have any idea how this one breaks down? As we record this right now, just after 8 o'clock on Sunday night, I'm not sure. With the Ottawa trade to Buffalo, the Sanders were eating a quarter of the contract, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Now, Buffalo was different, though, and they needed to reach the cap floor. They needed a goalie and to get to the cap floor, so that's one of the reasons they were doing it. Toronto doesn't have that problem. They need a goalie. I'm not sure about all the various questions that are going on here. And also, there's another question here, and that is, is this being routed through a third team? We'll figure this all out. Okay, and so as we're talking about the Maple Leafs, then the question becomes what's happening with Jack Campbell. And it seems as if there are two chances he goes back to Toronto, Slim and none. And it sounds like Slim may have left town and all eyes are on the Edmonton Oilers. Everything I'm hearing is that they're the favorite for his services. Of course, nothing illegal happens with Campbell or any other free agent in the National Hockey League, but I think we'd all be surprised if he wasn't an oiler. And I think a lot of the predictions are that Darcy Kemper is favored to end up in Washington. We'll see where this all goes, Mm -hmm. but I do think the Maple Leafs have taken a look at the market and seen that uh, they like Murray as based on what's available. Now, I had long conversations today with a couple people, some of whom who know Murray, some don't. And I got a general consensus. There are a lot of people who think Matt Murray still has the ability. They think that he has addressed some structural flaws that he has had in his game in terms of moving side to side that think make him a better goaltender now. The biggest question they have about Murray is, can he stay healthy? And they think that is Toronto's biggest gamble here, is not his ability, but his health. And he just can't stay healthy. That's the gamble they think Toronto was taking, the health. The thing about Matt Murray, too, last season there were long stretches where he really, just to be blunt, didn't look good. And that's being kind. And then there were long stretches where he really did, Elliot. Like, this is a trying to grab a handful of water thing for me based on just last season. I I think I'm like a lot of people. I think, you know, A, you want the player to be healthy. B, you want to see all the, you know, structural issues get worked out and you want to see him successful. But based on what we've seen recently and as recently as last season, I still don't know who Matt Murray is. I think the other thing there too is that the relationship between Murray and Ottawa really fell apart last year. And I think Toronto was banking on his pride. One quick note on Campbell and Edmonton. This lines up for a number of reasons. And whenever, and I always laugh when an athlete says, oh, it's not about the money, it's about the respect. And I judge respect by money. Um, But, you know, (laughs) the money is there for Jack Campbell, right? Something in the neighborhood of, as you mentioned, five times five. So that makes sense there. I have had people telling me that they think there's a five times five out there for Campbell. Yeah, we've heard similar. Mm -hmm. There's a Zach Hyman situation, former teammate. That could be a magnet. That could be a lure. And the other thing too is, Man, Edmonton's really close for each. And as much as you might say, how can you walk away from the Toronto Maple Leafs? Edmonton's close. Edmonton's right there. Like a lot of this does line up almost perfectly here for Jack Campbell, doesn't it? There is a story to be done here on Jack Campbell in Toronto. And we've talked about it a little bit. And 
That is that earlier this season, there was an offer, which I had heard was in the three years at 2.75 million range. And I believe it was at a time where the Leafs were not yet comfortable to throw all of the money at Campbell. I think it was early in the year, if not before the year started. I mentioned on a podcast, I think it was last week, that from what I heard, the third year of that deal was very low, like under a million dollars. And as a result, what I think happened was Campbell and his camp countered with the opposite end of the spectrum. It was low from Toronto and really high from Campbell in return. And I don't know that it ever got back on track. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not sure. I don't know for certain, Jeff, but I'm not sure they ever had another offer between the two of them. Like, I think talks just fell apart. And they never came back. And maybe someday we'll find out why both sides feel that happened. But I just think that things got off the rails quickly this year in the negotiation room between these two sides. And I don't think they ever put it back together. Okay, we're going to get to some of the free agents or pending free agents. Oh, the other thing too I wanted to mention about Murray before we do that is Mm -hmm. his numbers, and we know Toronto does look very hard at numbers. There are some numbers on him this year that were good. So I did want to mention that too. I think that's why Toronto's making this gamble. Their analytics would probably rate Murray a bit higher than others would. But again, like I said, the biggest gamble on Murray is the health. I want to say it again too. There were times this guy looked excellent for the Ottawa Senators. And what I'm wondering about Toronto too is, are they looking for another goalie too? Like, is it Matt Murray and then Eric Schalgren's our backup? Or is it Matt Murray and we're going to get somebody else as well? Okay, before we get talking about a couple of pending free agents here, I want to get your thoughts on a couple of things. One, I just want to mention Adrian Kempe because he's one of my favorite players for one very specific reason, Elliot. I always have had a soft spot in my heart for hockey players that when they join the NHL and start their career, it's immediate volatility. And it's almost immediate chaos and they stick through it and they come with the other end, a better player. I don't know if I don't even want to say that because of it, maybe in spite of it. But Adrian Kempe signs uh, re-ups with the Los Angeles Kings. Four years, $22 million. AAV is $5.5 million. Adrian Kempe has played in the NHL for age for six seasons. Mm -hmm. He's had four coaches. Mm -hmm. Daryl Sutter, John Stevens, Willie Desjardins, and now Todd McClellan. Yes. I'm always curious to find out or see how players react when every season they're getting a new coach. Like a lot of the Oilers players are looking at this and like from, you know, that previous era of Oilers players saying like, yeah, that's what we lived through too. I always find it intriguing to see what happens to players who go on this carousel of coaches to start their season for each. I just want to make sure that that was out there. And it's one of the reasons, well, outside of he's a really skilled hockey player, he's one of the fastest players in the NHL. I just like Adrian Kempe. What say you about him or this deal or anything for that matter? You know what? I, I think it's a really good deal. Look, the guy had a great year last year. I don't think anyone has ever doubted his talent. Go back to game five. Right? As the Los Angeles Kings take a 3-2 series lead, who's the one that just burns wide and scores a gorgeous goal to send this thing to game six and a potential closeout for the Los Angeles Kings? It's Adrian Kempe. I'm always happy to see people secure the bag, and he did it. Oh, and, and I should mention, too, that 
There were some rumblings that maybe the Kings would move quick, mm. but I asked Rob Blake at the GM meetings, and he said no. He likes the tandem. And as he reminded me, this year, they can handle that cap number and goal. So he threw cold water on that. Uh, Mikey Anderson, Sean Dersey, RFA is about to get a little bit of bump and pay as well. They had real nice seasons. They've got room. I, I think they're going to solve all this. I had someone who said to me on the draft floor, he said, Kings are winning the Pacific next year. Book it. Ooh. All right. Remember that one from this podcast. But if it's bad, just remember that Jeff said it, not me. <laughs> right. I got the bad takes here. That's my, uh, it's my responsibility on the podcast. Um, the JT Miller uh situation going back to thursday what is the latest you can share with us i think that the one thing that uh i said friday and friday's podcast by the way i really missed you in the first half of friday's podcast and so did the audience yeah, i'm sure i'm sure everybody was heartbroken i uh, i said that- by the way it was it was so bizarre not being able to have contact with anybody <laughs> yeah it was it was bizarre for a lot of reasons yeah no question about it. It was a wild, wild day, especially since you were like you were driving around, right? Weren't you going to the baseball tournament? Baseball, and well, I, I got out, uh, I got out early, and then the, well, both kids had baseball tournaments, so yeah, it was uh, it was busy. Anyway, the, with Miller, I mentioned in that show that I did by myself. Sorry, I have I have tears going down my face as I mentioned <laughs> okay. that you didn't have your Jeffy security blanket around you. My yeah. security blanket wasn't there. At that point in time, I don't think Vancouver had given anybody permission to speak to Miller. And so that was Friday night, and I got a call today, and someone said, don't hold so... It was true at the time, but there are some indications that that may change. Now, I don't know the timing. I don't know if it's happened yet. I don't know if it will happen. Like, I don't know the timing, but someone said to me today, don't be so hard and fast anymore that Vancouver won't give permission. It was true at the time, mm-hmm. but they think there's a point here and they, and they just wouldn't tell me when that that could change a little bit. So we'll see where this develops uh, over the next week. One of the things that I think it's important to do on this podcast is sort of point out reasons, things that might be obvious to longtime hockey fans about, say, for example, Elliot's talking about how, you know, um, the Vancouver Canucks won't let a team like the Islanders talk to JT Miller mm-hmm. about an extension before coming, a, you know, uh, arriving at a deal. There's a number of reasons for that, but the one that I've always uh, held close to is it puts too much power in the player's hands. And if the player doesn't want to go there, why would you allow him to talk to that team, give a ridiculous number, and therefore kibosh the trade? That is, agree, disagree, the most obvious reason why in some situations you don't let the player talk to the other team. Mm-hmm. You don't want to, you know, essentially what you're saying is I don't want to surrender any power in, a, in, a, in any type of trade. That is true. I, I think there's definite truth to that. I was having some conversations about people about this over the weekend. I think there was, nobody would confirm it to me, so I'm not going to say the player, but I think there was one recent case where a team was getting close on a trade and they were given permission at least to speak to the player and they were only given permission for a certain amount of time. Like the the team said, I will let the other team and the talk to the agent for 24 hours. And you have a time window to see if you can get a deal done. And sometimes simply the team that's acquiring you, they don't need to get a deal done, but they'll say to you, if we acquire this player, mm-hmm. what are we looking at? And maybe they'll give you a range. And 
that's kind of what happens. But you're right, Jeff. There are teams that will look at it and say, no, we don't want you to do that. Like I said, I'd heard on Friday by that time, the Canucks hadn't let anyone talk to Miller. I don't know as we tape this on Sunday that they've let anyone talk to Miller. But I have been told that don't be so strong on it because it may change. Okay, let's get to some players and some teams. And let's start with Brent Burns of the San Jose Sharks. A while ago, actually, I'd kind of forgotten about it. Not a pending UFA, by the way, I should point out. We're not there yet. No, he's still got term that San Jose was thinking about, does it really make sense for them to bring back both Eric Carlson and Brent Burns? And Carlson has complete control over his situation. Burns has a small list of teams he can be traded to. I think they checked the market on Carlson. I just don't think there was a lot there because of his contract. Burns has a lot less term remaining. And I've heard there's been quite a bit of interest. Uh, Someone told me today that he's a name that we've kind of forgotten that you should put back on the radar because he thinks several teams have called San Jose and said, you know, what are we talking about here? Now, Burns, like I said, has control, and I don't know how many places he wants to go to, but don't forget he has a permanent residence in Texas. Now, I don't think that would be an easy deal to do, would be Dallas and San Jose. It would take work, Mm. but I did have someone say to me that if the stars could make it work, he could see a situation where Burns could end up there. That is a fascinating one. And I still think Brent Burns has a lot to give. And that doesn't just include the true itemization of what's in his knapsack. I still think on the ice, he has a lot to give. (laughs) I just thought it was a blender, isn't it? Hasn't that secret been revealed? (laughs) I've heard some stories about what's really in there. Oh, okay. Uh, What happens if we have a look inside your knapsack or inside your briefcase, Fridge? What do we find? Uh, You would find a book. Spy the Lie is the book I'm reading again right now. I've read it before. I'm reading it again about how to spy liars Ah. because I work with several of them. Oh, very nice. And, uh, you know, you have my laptop and all my pens and gum, assorted other funny stuff. What would be in yours? Oh, mine's boring like yours, man. I'd have a book. Like right now I'm reading Dave Grossman's On Killing. I'd have all my notes. I'd have my laptop. I'd have my Mac 30 just in case a camera shows up and I need, uh, need a little powder. Uh, hair gel, IFB. You probably don't just have a thing of hair gel. You probably have like a bathtub of hair gel in there. No, I just got the one. I just have the one. And I forgot it in Montreal as everyone made fun of my Lyle Lovett style hair at the restaurant. on the. I thought it looked really good. I thought it looked good too. Oh, man, Joel. You and Eraserhead, twin brothers. I thought I was looking good, man. And then Joel made me like goo it all up. Oh, well. Um, Florida Panthers, what's the latest with the Cats? I just think there's a lot going on there. I I think Florida's going to extend Huberto at some point. I think that's going to get done. I think they'd like to extend Uyghur too. I think the bigger question is, can they do it? I had a couple teams tell me Florida's got a lot swirling around. They're in a lot of things. Um, I think Ottawa has interest in Uyghur. Um, you know, Ottawa got their score in Debrinket, but they are still looking at a defenseman. As I mentioned on the podcast on Friday, I think they took a look at D'Angelo. Uyghur makes a lot of sense because he's an Ottawa area guy. But I think in a perfect world, Florida would like to keep him. So I think Florida's got a lot of balls in the air. And as one team said to me, 
he said, this is the dumbest thing you'll say on your podcast, which he actually said is quite a feat because he said a lot of dumb things there. He said they could do something. They could do nothing. But he thinks Florida's got a lot going on. And he also said that Florida has not given up hope on keeping Giroux either. I don't know if that's going to happen, but he thinks the Panthers could be a really interesting team this week because I know a lot of teams believe they're going to get Hubert O'Donnell. And they think they'd like to get Uyghur done. They just don't know if they can do it without moving some other things around. And I think there are some teams looking at at Uyghur because he's good. Mm. But I don't think the Panthers' preference is to find a way to make it work. I mean, we'll see. You know, Thursday night, um, there were a lot of big names in the air. And Alexander Romanov turned out to be one of them. Now with the New York Islanders, how many other teams, Frege, do you think were in as uh, the Habs look to make room on the back end? I've been all over Columbus a lot lately. They were in on McDonough, and it just was the wrong time for Ryan McDonough to go there. I think they were in on Romanoff, too. I think Columbus, that 12th pick, they had a lot going on around there. They, I think they were thinking about the potential of Kirby Doc, who went to Montreal, and I think they were looking at Romanoff, too. So Columbus had a lot going on. I, they're aggressive, and I, even though things didn't work out for them on the weekend, I think they're going to continue to be aggressive. Columbus had defense on the brain, man. Yeah, they did. All week long. And then you look at, you know, you look at who they drafted in the first round. Their two first round draft picks are both defensemen, David Juracek, Denton Matejchuk. Yeah. They were thinking D all week long in Montreal. You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously. It doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. With that, Elliot, let's get to some of the free agents that we'll be talking about leading up until Wednesday and Mm -hmm. noon Eastern, the free agent window officially opens. And we will wonder about players like, and we'll try to go as rapid fire as we can here and respect your time, Evgeny Malkin. I hear the thing with Malkin is term. I think he wants a bit more term. Rob Rossi of The Athletic had a really good story about him uh, on the weekend. You know, I think he's talked about there have been two-year offers. I definitely think there have been three-year offers. I'd heard, and I think it's pretty reliable during the year, that they tied up the end of his contract to the end of Crosby's contract, which has three years left. But I just heard they weren't close on money. Now, until proven wrong, I'm going to guess here that the Penguins thought there was a team that was offering Latang a really high number on four years. And I know there are some teams in the league who believe that was the case too. Like now, technically, they're not supposed to offer anything, but you know, Jeff, mm. teams do, teams do talk. 
Like I always say, gambling here at Casablanca? <laughs> really? What? So I definitely believe there were some teams out there who thought that Latang was coming in around maybe four times nine somewhere. And the reason they're thinking it was four times nine was because the number ended up being 36 for him. So six times six, it equals four times nine. Although if you talk to, you know, people who work in the financial business, get mm-hmm. as much money in your pocket as you can quickly. Later, right away. So they think that's why that number ended up there. I don't know it's true, but it's a good theory. So I think Malkin has kind of looked at that and said, okay, Latang got six years. You know what? Um, you know, maybe I could get four. I don't know if five is, is, is feasible. I honestly don't know, but four and look like if you look at what the penguins did they used term to flatten out the number right like maybe that's what ends up happening here i don't know i think the biggest issue with malkin is not that they want don't want him it's health and uh that was the same thing that kind of happened with letang too but letang had such a fantastic season that i think they just overcame the health now they're trying to figure out what to do with malkin i really do think they want to get it done but I think this one's been a real challenge. I I think at the end of the day, he wants to be there and they want him to be there. They moved out of their comfort zone with Latang faster than they did with Malkin. And they showed, like people told me that it was pretty clear as recently as a month ago that they were willing to move out of their comfort zone with Latang. I don't have a good answer yet on where that stands with Malkin. Okay, so we whispered the name Claude Giroux a couple of moments ago. Now let's say it, Claude Giroux... I think there's quite a bit of interest in him. I still think Florida wants to try and keep him. I mean, I think Ottawa's out there for sure. You know, we talked about Edmonton. I think there could be others too, but... Would Colorado be an option there? But again, he's got to want to go there, right? He didn't want to go there last time. Well, the only place he wanted to go was Florida. Yes, but I do think Ottawa's a possibility for him. I do. I just think that right now the issue is... I think Florida would like to keep him, but like I said, they got to move things around. Johnny Gaudreau. I think we're going to get clarity on this early in the week. I, I, I do. I, I think Calgary, like I said on the podcast that let's watch what Philly does. You know, I went to Chuck Fletcher on the floor on Friday and I said, JVR, and he just looked at me and he goes, he's a flyer. He wasn't giving me any more than that. And I respect that. I've got no problem with it. I think people like JVR as a player. He scored 24 goals last year, and, and goal scoring is hard to find in this league. And, you know, he's he's got a good reputation. He's a good guy. I just think teams are really trying to make this hard on Philly to trade him. So I still think we've got to wait and see what Philly does to clear cap room. I think they've got a lot of their guys kind of out there they're testing the market on. I've said many times, I think that, the number is eight times 9.5 from Calgary. I think there's been an indication the number may have to be higher than that. I don't think that Calgary's that crazy about it. My guess with a team like Philly is that they also have a number they don't want to go by. So I think we're getting close to decision time here. Andre Palat. I still heard that one could go either way. Because I think we all looked at the Ryan McDonough deal and said, okay, they opened the doors for Palat here. I remember last week uh, we said it was a challenge. Mm-hmm. I've heard it could go either way. Ryan Strom. Well, I, I guess you could put both Strom brothers in there. Strom and the Rangers were talking all year, and they just never got to a sweet spot. And 
I think that continued after the season, after they got knocked out, they kept trying. I heard term was an issue. I don't know if number was an issue or not, but I heard term was an issue. I heard that the, you know, the Rangers were careful about how much term they wanted to give. I mean, we'll see. Centers are always valuable. Like cop. I think the Rangers are just very careful because they don't want to box themselves in. What I heard was Drury wanted to check out all options. Like he liked Cop, he liked Strom, but I heard that he didn't have a lot of flexibility and he wanted to keep it for as long as he can. Like if they are looking at a guy like Kadri, I mean, first of all, I don't know how that would all work, but I heard that Drury wanted to keep a certain amount of flexibility and never got to a place he was comfortable with on any of his guys yet. And, you know, there's Dylan Strom out there, too. I mean, someone's going to give him a shot. For sure. Absolutely, they will. Dylan Strom is a guy who had a really good finish to the year, and I think he's going to have quite a bit of opportunity. I don't disagree. You know, you mentioned Andrew Kopp there a couple of seconds ago. You know which team I wonder about? I mean, I think we all... Detroit? Well, let me know what, the, what do you think about this theory. Now, I think if they do Dylan Larkin, first of all, it's going to be a big number, and I think they're doing term. By the way, I think that one's going to get done. I do. And it's going to be a long-term deal. Like I don't, th- I don't think Eisman will have any problem no. signing Dylan Larkin to a long-term deal. I've heard that that one, as much as I ever hear anything out of Detroit, yeah. I've heard that that one is tracking positively. The one thing that I wonder about is how eager Steve Eiserman is, if at all, and some people have told me not at all, to give other players term. Like he's interested in players, sure. But the hang up from his point of view is I don't think he wants to be married to long-term deals. For someone like Dylan Larkin, yes. But for other players, I'm not so sure that he's there. I'll bet you more it's Cider gets one. Well, no, listen, for those types of, yeah, they, you know, born in the organization, you know, found success in the organization, reward those, you know, listen, that's Steve's story, right? I was drafted a Red Wing, I became a captain with the Red Wings, you know, I, I, I spent my career here. I think that resonates with Eisman. So for players like Cider, for, we'll see what happens with uh, Raymond's career as well. And we all think that's trending in a great direction. I think those guys eventually end up with term. I'm just thinking of like free agents for each. I just don't know, because I was thinking about Andrew Kopp with Detroit as well. I just don't know where Iserman's at on on term for these guys. But you know the team that I do wonder about for Andrew Kopp? Who's that? Nashville. Interesting. The Nashville Predators with, you know, adding one more player to their top six mix now that they have Philip Forsberg done. I don't think that's a bad idea at all. It makes a lot of sense to me. That's one that I wonder about there. Okay, getting back to the list. Um, we've talked a lot these playoffs about Valeria Nichushkin and how coveted Valeria Nichushkin is by the Avalanche to the point where, you know, it looks like Colorado was about to say goodbye to Kadri and say, hey, Valeri, don't go anywhere. What do you hear? So my predictions on Colorado, uh, my camper one, that they had a decent chance of keeping him, that flamed out. <laughs> Colorado's had a busy day. They signed Georgiev. They signed uh, McDonald. I still think they have a shot at Nachushkin, and I think this is one we could get clarity on earlier in the week. But I still think they have a shot at keeping him, and they're working hard to do that, and I think he wants to stay. The other thing I've kind of heard about them is that they might not qualify Obey Kubel because they just don't have room. And from what I understand, it's not because 
he broke the Stanley Cup. Yeah, you know. They just don't have room. So he's another really good depth player who's going to be out on the market. Mm-hmm. So Kadri, I think there's a lot of teams in on him. I have heard that not to count out the New York teams possibly looking at Kadri, the Rangers and the Islanders. Like what someone said to me was, and, and this is a team I know that's interested in him, they think there's a lot of competition and they think there's going to be some unique attempts to try to get them done. I don't know what that means, but he said that they believe the New York teams will be in. Now, the one thing I do want to say about the Islanders is Lou Lamorello is notorious for not calling until 12.01 Eastern on Wednesday. He is old school. He does not break the rules. And that's why what this guy said to me was, you might have to wait for some clarity if the Islanders are indeed part of this. But teams do suspect that both the Rangers and the Islanders will talk to Kadri. So we'll see where that goes. Hmm. Now, the other thing I want to say about Colorado is, at some point in time, we're going to get some clarity on Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. And... I think they wanted to breathe after the trades and the moves at the draft, but I do think they were going to talk to Chicago about their futures. Last year, Colorado was one of the teams that inquired about Patrick Kane before the trade deadline to see if he was available. If, and I stress this is an if, if Patrick Kane's available, I could see Colorado making another try for him. That's my opinion, but I could see it. Now, we all thought that the obvious thing is David Perron re-ups with the St. Louis Blues because that's where David Perron is most comfortable. They're comfortable having him. He's a very productive member of that organization. He's gone back not once, not twice, but thrice to that team. But it's 9.04 Eastern, Sunday, July 10th, as I say this to you, Elliot. What do you hear about David Perron? I still think they want to bring him back. I think it comes down to can they clear room? They've been really quiet. Mm-hmm. Really quiet. A couple of other names for forwards, and I want to get to defense here in a couple of moments. A couple of other names for forwards are, you know, ones that we may not have thought would have been big names, but here we are. And I think Nick Delorier is going to get a payday here for each. I do too. I really think Nick Delorier is getting paid here. The one thing that uh, Bill Guerin uh, did say to me in a conversation I had with him at the draft is, if we could fit him in, we'd already have signed him. Hmm. So he is going to get paid. Like I said to you a couple of podcasts ago, I wonder about Philadelphia as they start to talk about things like identity and who we are and flyers and old orange and all those types of things. They definitely want to get bigger down their lineup. There's no question about that. What about Phil Kessel? I've wondered Nashville, yeah, but I don't know. Like they tried to get him. I wondered if they were going to be the team. You know, I've heard a little bit this weekend is Tyler Mott. Hmm. I heard there's some good teams who really like him. Uh, not a surprise. A real good player. Let's get to some defensemen. Okay, John Klingberg. So I heard at the draft Carolina. I mentioned that on the last podcast. Someone reached out to me and said. They don't see Carolina giving him the biggest deal, but they definitely could see Carolina being interested. They were around him earlier on this season. Yes. Carolina was. I do think that they've kind of been, you know, like interested in dating Carolina and Klingberg. Like slip a note in the locker? Let's see if it happens. 
I've mentioned Seattle several times. I don't know, but um, there have been a few teams that see that match. But what they've also said is that what you might get in the market, they're just not sure that Carolina would be willing to do. What about Josh Manson? I've wondered if he's going back to Anaheim. I think we all wondered that one. I don't think he wanted to go in the first place. I'm sure he's very happy he went to Colorado and got a Stanley Cup, but there's family ties in the area. And I don't think he wants to be very far from them. I think that's true. That would make a lot of sense if he goes if he goes back. See, the teams I'd heard, and I think when I wrote my last blog, I'd heard Anaheim going back and becoming the post-Getzlaff captain, staying in Denver, someone thought that maybe LA would have interest in him too. Now LA has more of a need on the other side, not the one that mm-hmm. Manson plays, but you know, I mean, I, I could see an LA being interested in that, but they didn't think that was the top priority for the Kings. Elliot, let me throw in a dark horse here. I'm just going to throw a dart and we're going to see if it lands on Wednesday for John Klingberg. I wonder about the Ottawa senators. Well, look, they were interested in D'Angelo, right? Yeah. They had interest in him. John Klingberg paired with Thomas Shabbat. We know Ottawa's taking the next step with this organization. Just curious. Just curious. All right, a smoky break for our Thoughtline partner, Montana's Barbecue and Bar. With meats prepared and smoked in-house, it's no wonder why they're Canada's home for barbecue. Check them out, and as Elliot always says... Try the ribs. Yes, their ribs are smoked in-house every day until they fall off the bone. And don't forget, Montana's has all-you-can-eat ribs Every Wednesday. Head on down to Montana's Barbecue and Bar and take the all-you-can-eat rib challenge every Wednesday. Smoking good barbecue only at Montana's. Some conditions apply. Visit montanas.ca for details. You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously. It doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. Okay, so there's uh, a list, and we'll do another podcast post uh, free agent window opening. Um, so sometime after Wednesday. Uh, but a couple of quickies to end the podcast here today, Fridge. Miles Wood. Anything there lately, Fridge? Well, it's just that there was a bit of a rumor on on Sunday that maybe he'd been given permission to talk to teams. Now they told me that's not the case. That, uh, you know, he is an RFA, not a UFA. It doesn't mean you can't talk. Like D'Angelo and Bear were given permission to talk. 
but uh, the devil said no. They're they're trying to sign him. They have arbitration too, but they're trying to sign him. You know, Wood only played three games last year. He got hurt, but a lot of teams would like him. He would have a lot of interest out there if he was available. Mm-hmm. And I do think some teams are trying to see if there was any chance New Jersey uh, wouldn't qualify him, which they said they were going to. But you know, I was I was a bit disappointed purely because of a news point of view, because I just think that. That would have been an interesting guy that a lot of people would have been after. But the devil's threw cold water on my excitement. Hey, just as an aside here about uh, something from Sunday, did you see Shane Wright at the Jays-Mariners game? You know what? I went for a walk and missed the point in the game where they talked to him, right? It was awesome. Yeah. Well, first of all, in Seattle, they're thrilled that they got him at four. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a feeling there that they uh, that they won the draft. Did a nice sit down with Jamie Campbell. You know, address the Montreal stare. Yeah, <laughs> looking at the table. Let's clear the air here. I did notice a look that you gave when you were shaking the hand of the commissioner Gary Bettman. Was that intended for the Montreal Canadiens draft table? Uh, not at all. No. Uh, I mean, I was just kind of looking at the cameras in front of me. Um, to be honest, I don't really remember too much of going up on stage. I don't. Uh, just kind of all uh, a whirlwind for me. So, um, I mean, I wasn't intentionally trying to stare anyone down i guess maybe it looked like that from the video or, or whatever it was but um there's no you know intent to, to stare anyone down just kind of look at the camera and um i just you know i guess their table was was right behind us so i guess it kind of looked like it but uh there there's no intent behind that no i wonder if they sign them this week like i wonder if it's that kind of week for seattle and, and shane Wright. like they're you know if ron francis is the general manager now do you think he plays in the nhl next season or I no do. i think there were a couple of there, maybe you know, maybe Seattle might be the only team that, after having drafted him, that he would go in right away and play. Like Montreal, I thought if Montreal drafted him first overall, you know, they're still very much in the rebuilding phase of, of things. Maybe you send him back to Kingston, look for a trade to, you know, a team that's going to be really good next year, like North Bay or Guelph or something like that. But I just wonder, you know, with Ron Francis as the general manager. You know, there's an interesting dynamic there with one of the assistant coaches, Paul McFarland. Yes. Uh, who initially left the Toronto Maple Leafs to go to the Kingston Frontenacs and was poised to coach uh, Shane Wright with Kingston. And then the pandemic happened. He never got to coach him. And before Shane Wright arrived, he took the uh, took the Seattle job now, albeit, you know, even though he's an assistant coach and not the head coach, he does get to kind of coach Shane Wright here now. I think they jump him in next season. I really do. I, I really think that they go right up the gut next season with Matty Beneers and, and Shane Wright. And I think it begins maybe with them signing, maybe with Seattle signing him as early as this week for each. But it was just pretty cool to see him on the Jays Mariners broadcast. A bright moment in an otherwise gloomy Jays game as they get swept <laughs> oh by the God. Mariners. <laughs> I watched like the first seven innings of that game. I went for the walk. I missed the Carlos Santana bomb. <laughs> Yeah, and the uh, ball's going through Vladdy's glove, and oh, just, oh, geez. Okay, a couple of quick things. Oh, wait, Athanasiu? I want to get to Athanasiu. Before I get there, because I want to end on Athanasiu, because it's really interesting. Um, potential rule changes coming out of GMs? Yes, there was one, apparently. So, as everybody who follows hockey may know, sometimes you forget these things, but when you call a major penalty, now you can appeal it, right? Right. But you can't take it down to no penalty. You can take it from five minutes down to two, but there has to be a penalty. 
However, there is something going. I believe the competition committee has already heard it. I think it's now going to the board of governors. But basically what it comes down to is there was a play this year, and some of you will remember it between Colorado and Boston, where Nathan McKinnon took a big hit from Taylor Hall and McKinnon's own stick bloodied his nose. Yep. And they called Hall a major penalty. This was in January of this year. And they looked at the video and they're like, oh, it was his own stick, but you could only take it down to two. And I think now what they've done is they suggested that you can take it down to zero. If it's a play like that where, say, a player's own stick is responsible for cutting himself on a clean hit like that one from Hall to McKinnon, it's now not only down from five to two, it can also be down from five to hmm. no penalty at all. I heard that came up at the GM meetings. So still no traction on the Merrick penalty kill idea where if you score while you're shorthanded, the player comes out of the box. and the I, I did not hear that, but I, I support you on this mm, one. You're yeah, right. Okay, yeah, so that's probably going nowhere. Uh, Andreas Athens, see you. This one's interesting. Let's finish the podcast with this one. So there are three types of players who qualify for performance bonuses. The first group is, of course, the rookies on their entry-level contracts. The second group is players who are over 35. And the third group that even I forget about sometimes is, is if you've played 400 NHL games, but you've missed 100 the last two seasons. Right. So you do qualify for performance bonuses. Well, Andreas Athanasiu is a very interesting case. He's at 378 career games. But because we lost a bunch of games to the pandemic, that 400 was adjusted downward and he qualifies for that. Now, it's a hundred days on IR, I should say, the last two seasons. And Athanasiu is at 99 days on IR plus mm. COVID list. So I think the argument here is, should he qualify for the 100? So he's at 99. Now he missed more time on the COVID list, but the COVID list technically isn't IR. So there's two issues here. So he qualifies because the 400 games was adjusted downward because of COVID. Now you have to be 100 days on injured reserve. He's at 99 through the last two seasons. He's at 99. So one of the things they're arguing is if he gets credit for the COVID list, he'd be over 100. Or he injured his finger, I think, during the preseason and missed a couple of preseason games. And I think they've argued that he should get credit for that. Now, I'm not sure this is going to work. I don't know this is going to work, but you have to try it. I really, I appreciate the thinking going on behind this one. I see. I love stuff like this. So yes, I know you do. And actually, I kind of like it too. I I appreciate this. I I've appreciate heard the NHLPA has brought this up to the league <laughs> that he got injured in the preseason legitimately, and he had to miss time in the preseason. Like apparently, he missed games. So their argument is he should be over, and he should qualify for performance bonuses, and. I think it might actually help Athanasiu get a spot this year because there are going to be teams who are looking for a player like him on a really inexpensive contract. Yep. And if you can get him to a low number plus bonuses can work. 
like I always say in situations like this, I just want to be in the room to see the expressions on the faces when that gets presented and pitched. I'm not sure it's going to work, but I know he's trying. <laughs> I love it. Uh, okay, so next big events, tent poles, as they call them, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, there are a couple along the way, certainly with, um, uh, with qualifying offers and such, and buyouts and all these fun things like, oh, I don't know, offer sheets. But the main one is coming up on Wednesday. Uh, noon Eastern, the free agency window opens. Hope you can join us on Sportsnet for coverage of it. Uh, in the meantime, get ready, all you fantasy GMs. Uh, hope your team gets the player or players that you want. Either way, we will discuss it post-free agency. Um, taking us out today, Elliot, is a band that calls Montreal home. Man, by the way, do you have a couple quick thoughts on Montreal? Every time I go there, I just well, you wanted to say a couple of things about Montreal. Like To me, it's one of my favorite. Just was a great weekend. Great weekend. And one of my favorite Canadian cities. I just, like I said, I love the cobblestone streets of old Montreal. Like you, you, What I love about Montreal, Fregent, we've talked about this before, is everybody needs to have the Montreal hockey experience Saturday night, you know, 701, the lights go down, the music hits and the spotlights and the ghosts of, you know, Bellevue and Richard and all. Like it's, there's nothing like it. And on game day on Saturdays, the whole city is talking about hockey. Every bar, every cafe, every restaurant, up and down the street, everyone's talking about the game. Everybody uh, should have that experience. Montreal is amazing. And taking us out, a band calling Montreal home. Offenbach was formed in the late 60s and left their mark on the Quebec music scene with hundreds of songs and some of the most memorable live performances this country's ever seen. With their hit Suleiman Qu'une Aventure, translation, Just an Adventure, here's Offenbach on 32 Thoughts, the podcast. You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously, it doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. 
you might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host.